Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King, I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I just realized you introduced yourself first Uh-oh. and me second. That yeah. doesn't seem right. Well, how, how would people know who was introducing you? It just adds credibility to you. That's a, Do you want to be introduced by a disembodied voice? <laughs> <laughs> And now, Glenn. <laughs> I, I like that. Yes, let's go with that. Oh, man. We well, said you, something ridiculous, but he likes it. That happens every time. Do you want to take it back to one and we can just see how that feels? No, I don't. No? No. <laughs> no? No, bad improv I'm saying no. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to move the show along. We've I derailed see. the show before I got to the second person. <laughs> well, there it's you a go. new record. There you go. I see. Joining us also is Jed. Hi, Jed. Oh, yeah. Ted Brew is the director of Mission USA Productions. He likes to help. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's good. It's nice. Yeah, this is already <laughs> no, going in a great Jeff's direction. Passive aggressively <laughs> upset. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's great. Yeah. And using the miracle of interstate internet communications to join in on this nonsense is Lee Younger, oh. one of the pastors of Christ Community Church. Welcome back, folks. Oh, man, yeah. We're already having fun. No, we're not already having fun. I, we're, no one's having fun. I'm having fun. I got to tell you guys. I'm having I'm, fun. I saw a movie so good, Whoa. blew my mind, changed my whole world. I got to declare an emergency. An emergency? Wow, That's dude. right. And this is not a fabricated one either. Whoa. It's for real. Whoa. All right. Now, I try and be Christian about my media choices. Right. Unlike some of you people. Yeah. Here, yeah. Peter, Paul, and Mary, you know, and whatever the kids are into these days. <laughs> You know who Peter Paul and Mary is. Yeah, I, I'm the only one. None of our listening that. audience does. <laughs> well, maybe they should apply themselves. If they were a better audience, they would. Wow, that is Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try to be Christian about all things, including Whoa. my media choices. Uh, okay. Unlike some people listening to obscure 1960s folk bands. Just try yeah. just keep Also, driving. want to point out that Peter, Paul, and Mary were not a Christian band, like even a little bit. No, I know. Puff the Magic Dragon was not about Jesus yet. This is this is what I'm saying, is they're listening to that oh. instead of right. good quality Christian Sorry, media. Sorry, I lost track of your so, disjointed rantings. So like is, Carmen is, and Michael W. Smith. Thank you. Drive it to the hoop, Jed. I'm going to drive it to the hoop. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm renting a Christian movie right? because I'm a Christian, right? and that's what I do. So I went to, to rent The Passion of the Christ. Right. And I've heard there's nothing more realistic, yeah. nothing more historically accurate. Right. It's going to break down for you what really happened, like The Passion of the Christ. Well. Right. And dude, I was skeptical. Uh-huh. Um, because I believe that film is mostly a tool of the devil and perdition. Absolutely. But I gave it a try. I put it in the Blu-ray player that I don't own because that would be kind of hypocritical. Right. And I watched it, and it was awesome. Okay. At one point, so Russell Crowe is in it, right. and I'm assuming he's playing like the Apostle Peter. Right. And there's he's in like this big ring um, and just fighting people. Oh, and he's well, got a cool. sword, yeah. and he's like throwing down, and then apparently he starts Christianity. Whoa. It was great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, does, he, does he give a big speech about people not being entertained that you didn't find in the Bible when you looked it up afterwards? Yeah, no, but it sounded pretty Bible-y, because there was a lot of old words to sure. it. And they kept talking about strength and honor, and those both sound pretty pretty Christian-y, so uh-huh. I, I figured that was probably, and, uh, you know, it's just, because they say it's in, that, that the passion, it's all in Aramaic. Right. And I don't speak Aramaic, so... Right. You just happen to notice that it sounds a lot like English? Well, I figured, you know, I mean, it must have been like a dubbed version right. that I gotcha. got. 
you know. Right. But so yeah, so he's playing. Okay. So Russell Crowe. Yeah. Ring? Are you not entertained? Joaquin Phoenix in this by any chance? And I think he was Pontius Pilate. Oliver Reed by any chance? Yeah, yeah. He was he was in there too. I think John Malkovich was I, in there somewhere. I gotta rent this. Yeah. Jed, you watched Gladiator. There's no way around that. I don't know how to yeah. soft coat that for you. You watched Gladiator. No, no, that doesn't that doesn't sound right. Because Peter wasn't a gladiator, so that's probably not it. No, yeah. Russell Crowe wasn't in The Passion of the Christ. I'm pretty sure that this was a movie about the the founding of Christianity and that Russell Crowe founded Christianity. There you go. Yeah, really that's, not. That's and actually I've been reading a book and it's it's right in line with that book. So I'm I'm pretty sure that's what we're dealing with here. Okay. Against all my better judgment, I ask, what you been reading, Jed? Oh, you know, just a lot of stuff I see referenced on the internet. Something called Covert Messiah. I think I've been reading. I thought that was going to go a different way. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, don't just read things you see referenced on the internet. Don't do that. Well, I don't know if you guys know this, but if it's on the internet, it pretty much has to be true. It has to be. That's like it's Otherwise, the internet editors won't let it on. That's right. Look, we can all admit it's time to be honest about things. Russell Crowe began Christianity. Yes. And that's cool. Right. Also making him the first pope. Right. Pope Crow. <laughs> that is that's just a historical fact. And you know that's how that's neither historical nor fact. You know how when you become Pope, you get to choose a new name? Right. I'm pretty sure that's why they were calling him Maximus. Right. And so he would be Pope Maximus. And dude, if you're the first Pope, wouldn't you call yourself Pope to the Max? Well, you're not gonna be Pope Minimus, are no. you? <laughs> I mean, that ain't even on the table. You're you're like the maximum strength pope because you're first. Hey, when you're when you're setting out to begin your career of poping. Exactly. You're not trying to you're not trying to you know, keep yourself down. Clearly. You're, you're trying to set the bar high. Well, you're putting a message out there to all those other popes to come. Right. You guys didn't start this the way I did. Right. I'm the original. I poked it to the max. <laughs> I did. I poked it to the maximus. Right. And that's how I know that I watched The Passion, <laughs> which was about Russell Crowe founding Christianity. Right. I appreciate you putting a tidy little bow on it at the end there to recap how we got there. <laughs> you're welcome. That was very important. Okay. I, I, I sense that <laughs> you I don't know how to start with, with this me. Gordian knot of insanity. I, okay, here's we're, we're not going to talk about the movie anymore. Whatever okay. movie you watch, that's fine. Okay. And the thing Jed is referencing the book is something only slightly less crazy than Russell Crowe being the first pope. That's there's a guy who wrote a book says that the Romans just invented Jesus. Oh, they invented Jesus because that would be good for them? Apparently, and I, I'm just a simple caveman, but right. I understand this. It's a, it's a joke from 1987, folks. Enjoy. Um, <laughs> the unfrozen caveman's lawyers touched us all. That's true. Um, I, so as I understand it, he says, you know, Romans, and they're having trouble with the Jewish people in kind of uh, your Jerusalems, your Galilees, that whole Judean area. Now, they have like there were three uprisings in the better part of like 300 years, which is like right. way below where most Roman places came in. Right. And the Romans had a plan for dealing with uprises. Which dealt, which was mainly stabbing. Right. Just a lot of Italian guys would come in and stab you. That's the gladius, right? They would get together pointy things and then jab you with it. Yeah, just until you you stopped uprising. Well, that would stop me from uprising right away. No doubt about it. You're thinking about rising up and then there's a jab with a pointy. Yeah, and then a bunch of guys with spears and swords. You know what I mean? Hey, I got to, you know what I say? I got to say, all right then. 
So here's the, here's so this guy's theory is they just they needed a way. What are we gonna do with all these people who are uprising? Right. We'll invent a sect of Judaism. Uh, okay. It's all about some peace. Right. And then we'll just wait 400 years for that to take hold. Right. And really get its thing done. You're saying yeah. they're playing the long game. Sure. Now, yeah. there are hundreds of other Jewish sects at this point claiming Messiah. But we're going to back this one uh, yeah. that is written in a language Greek that the Jews refuse to speak. Yeah. That right. has an intimate knowledge of Jewish prophecy. Right. But really goes against a lot of what these people want to hear. Right. And we're just going to plant that in but, a little book. Right, but the the guy who came up with this covert messiah thing sure. is probably got to be like one of the most amazing historians of all time to discover this hidden secret. Yeah. Well, well he's written uh two bo- two books, okay. both different versions of this theory. Uh-huh. And has a bachelor's in computer science. Oh. Okay. Does it but wait, is it the history of computer science? No, just like the programming and whatnot. Uh-huh. That's he not. is, however, having a conference in uh-huh. London. See, he wrote the book, right, and self-published. Okay, well, not, not a university press couldn't right. get Penguin on board. Self-published, uh huh, and that didn't make any money, right. So then he tried to film a documentary. Okay, that didn't make any money, and okay. now, probably because he believes in this so hard, and not because the first two things didn't make money. He's having a conference but in I, London. I bet um, that conference is free, though, right? It's an academic <laughs> symposium. Not so much. Uh, 25 pounds. Wow. General admission. Okay. Not, and when I say conference, I mean a, a one-day lecture. So we're paying to hear the lecture of a computer science guy tell us his theories about Roman history and how they made up Christianity which was a religion they were outlawing and putting people in to the arena for. Yeah. So you see, well, you see yeah. what happened, Glenn, is, you know, we all, we all know, three of us on this podcast have history degrees, and Jed has a, a very a degree from a very prestigious institution here in Chicago, which I assume you, you just have to know stuff to just be admitted. So we yeah. all know a little bit about this stuff. That, you know, he, he said, you know, everybody else has been studying Christianity and Roman history, pretty much since they started, all your every pretty right. much every college that has a history department has people. And they said, but I figured it out. Right. See what he did is he cracked the code. Oh, okay. the code. He looked at it and said, "There's a lot of stuff y'all haven't just noticed." And I noticed it. And they said, "What did you notice?" And he said, "Stuff." Oh. You got to come to the symposium. Well, sure, sure, sure. Well, I, I this guy doesn't have a degree in history. I, I know the uh, that. Lee went to college. What'd you study in college, Lee? Uh, I studied history in college. Oh. Did, did any of this come up there when you were there? Uh, quite the opposite. Uh, they kind of, uh, we kind of talked about how Jesus and all of his little band of guys wound up kind of tanking the Roman Empire eventually. Yeah. So. Uh, well, oddly enough, I have a degree in history and... I heard the exact same thing, so we should have uh, just skipped college and gone to this $25 uh, But you see, Glenn, meeting. this guy wrote a thing that's on the internet. <laughs> oh, so, well, well, now, I know you... And a newspaper covered the thing on the internet. I, I know, Matt, that you put a blog posting about that on, yes. on the internet, but what kind of degree do you have? Oh, I have a bachelor's in history. Oh, 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 history. Now that didn't help. I see. Really, so to be perfectly honest, that didn't really 
play too much into the research. What did is I Googled this guy's name uh-huh. and there were a bunch of historians and even angry atheists yelling about how this wasn't right. <laughs> when the Reddit atheists are going, dude, you ain't helping. Yeah, then that's... You really done did something. Well, yeah. poor guy, bless his heart. But, well, but Jack, you, you know, enjoyed the passion. That's I, the point. I love the passion, and this is what I'm saying, is you could go to the conference, and 25 pounds is like $40, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, roughly $700 at the current exchange rate. It's a million dollars. Yes. So you could pay a million dollars to go to his conference, <laughs> right? or you could go to like the video store and just rent the Passion with right. Russell Crowe in it for like five dollars. Right, sure. and he he beats people up with a sword. He beats people with a sword <laughs> the way that Peter did. Right, that's that that's story a fact. is in the Bible. <laughs> Jesus pulled out his sword and went it's to a, town. It's a Bible fact. That y'all. is a Bible fact. Here's what I I have a theory because oh good, this dude's got a theory. He's making money. Yeah. on that. I want to get in on it. All right, I want that theory. sweet sweet. Theory cash. Okay. Because <laughs> this, is, this is how people get paid, is sure. you get a theory sure. with no evidence and just go to town. All right. Because normally, see, I thought what you had to do is have evidence. Right. So sure, peer-reviewed journals. Because that's hard to get that. It is. But if you can get paid with no evidence, you could just put it out there. Sure. Okay. Here's my theory. Sometimes you're in the world and you encounter Christians. And sometimes those Christians are kind of jerks. Okay. And then you get mad at that. Yes. And start reading about history to see if you can find a loophole. Okay. That's my theory. Oh. Oh. Mm. Let me me read that back to you. Let me make sure that I'm tracking because, you know, it, it gets complicated. Yeah. You're saying that if, for example... A bunch of Christians were really mean to me mm-hmm. and uncool and were kind of, you know, just jerks about stuff. Yeah. That I might want to find a way to hurt them back. Right. And it might occur to me that if I could discredit the founding of their religion, yeah. that would be like I'd really hit them where it hurts. Yeah. Okay. And are you are you suggesting, I just, you know, I want to make sure I'm tracking with you, that I might want that so badly that I'd basically just invent something yeah. to try and do that? Yeah. And, I, and I, charge. Don't and forget the charging. Yeah. yeah. Therefore, if, uh, if we could solve the Christian. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Hello? Well, if, what if, what if you look at Jesus... And then you look at the people that are supposed to follow Jesus, and the gulf between the two is so wide that you have to make up something that doesn't even make sense, and that thing you made up sometimes makes more sense than the idea that these people believe in Jesus. But hello. Okay. This is exactly what I'm talking about here. Okay. Is when you get to, the, if we solve the Christian people acting bogus problem, we might right. defeat some of these uh, uh, amazing theories, see? Okay. Uh, and that'll cost you uh, hundred bucks. Right. Sure. Just PayPal that to Glenn at the I, internet. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll send you the bill. Glenn so at Facebook Google. If you're saying that my Christianity looks more like Gladiator, right, than it does like the Passion of the Christ. Yeah. I may be the one causing the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. that's true. I'm not sure anything that Mel Gibson has his hand in is the answer. Well, but if you got to choose between those two, I guess. Yeah. No. My, right? I like the sequel to The Passion, where Russell Crowe invents uh, praise music in France. It's pretty cool. Yeah. He starts a megachurch. Yeah. That's so, yeah. true. 
All right. Well, how 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 we feel about that, Jed? Well, I got to tell you all how excited I was about my movie, right? And I got a lot of attention, which sure. is really the key thing I wanted. So I'm good. <laughs> okay. I'm great. I'm gonna go ahead and declare emergency off. That's good. Emergency. <laughs> well, off. I think we all discovered a few things. First of all, the emergency doesn't have to be funny. No. <laughs> Sometimes it just doesn't work out. It's it's a free podcast. What do you want sure. from us? You learned something. Isn't that more valuable than laughs? All right. Well, no, I don't think so. It's but, uh, really not. Well, again, the, the the long silence at the end of what was clearly meant to be a rhetorical question. Yeah, I really said all there was to say there. All right. Well, sometimes we don't even try to be funny. We put out products that are meant to be serious and helpful. Nice segue. One of those is Bridgebox. You've heard us talk about that quite often. We've launched a new version of that. We're all very excited. We've got Bridgebox Lee Younger. Whoa, tell me more. Thank you, Fake Excitement. <laughs> I'd like to know more about that product, please. Glenn had a delay. Jed was sitting back and had to leap up because Glenn was full face in mic, mouth open, and just said nothing. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> just true. Fro- just, frozen with excitement. Just, just a total blank, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, if you know about the normal Ridgebox, we talk about it once in a while. You get, uh, you get some worship tunes, you get some sermons, you get some Bible studies. Yeah, lots of cool stuff, and that's made by, that's all overseen by Jed, but the content's created by him, Glenn, myself, our friends Pete and Tasha. Every once in a while, we'll, uh, we'll rope in some, some folks we know from outside. Uh, Jed, uh, Glenn, Lee, and Lee produce some stuff. We've got Z- our friends Zach and Haley, who occasionally help us out, Andrew, some other folks like that. Well, we've decided to start a version of Bridgebox where it's all focused on one artist. The first one we're starting is with Lee. So every month, if you sign up, it's missionusa.com slash bbly. Same price, $8 a month, and if you're already signed up for Bridgebox, you can email us, and we'll send you a special link to uh, combine that with your current Bridgebox gift, so you get the whole thing for 12 bucks a month, only $4 extra. You get a new song, previously unreleased from Lee, every month, along with all that good Bridgebox content that yeah. he personally, he goes through Bridgebox, selects out what he likes, what he wants to share with you, so you get a lot of cool stuff, and when you sign up as a special gift, you will get Lee's new EP called Free. Signed by Lee. He's just finding out about that now, but we're the record company, so we can say things like that. Oh, you're going to sign it all right. All right. Dude, nobody said I had to sign it. <laughs> Dude, there's so many things I'm not saying, and I am proud of myself. <laughs> Good. All right, so you get Lee's new EP. That's uh, six, seven songs. Yeah. Yeah, brand new, all unreleased stuff from Lee before. Mixed and engineered by Jed. It's great stuff. Lots of folks making good appearances on that. So that's missionusa.com slash BBLY. Uh, that goes to support Lee. That goes to support so a cut of that goes to support the ministry we're doing here in Chicago. It's a great deal. Free album. If you go to that sign that address, you'll find the sign up page, which even if you don't sign up, you can get a free download of one of the tracks yeah. off that album. You delighted. You delighted. Delighted to me. Something like that. I, I'll just say most of the words that are in the chorus and somebody just <laughs> holler when I fit the title. Let's do that. Yeah. Appreciate the help there, guys. Way to be there on the assist. Yeah. Big matzo ball. Uh, yeah. And we'll double plug the very rarely seen. Oh, we've already, we're already plugging two bridge boxes. The rarely seen triple plug. Whoa. The new bridge podcast. Yeah. You can search for that, the bridge, in iTunes. You can look at that. It's uh, the uh it's a white background with some gold headphones. It's the logo. You want to recognize that. This month, the month of October, we'll be featuring one track per week from Lee's new album, along with some other worship stuff and some preaching from Glenn and myself. So that's a little 25-minute worship service if you want to preview that stuff. Once again, missionusa.com slash BBLY. That's all the capitalism I have in me. That was really good. That sounds like Thank an you. exciting product that I would like to check out. 
<laughs> Thank you, other guy in the infomercial who doesn't understand things. <laughs> that was a wonderful presentation. I would like to buy that now, please. <laughs> I like smoothies, but who's got time to chop all that fruit? <laughs> cut to cut to a black and white of things falling on Glenn out right. of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're setting a record for most number of bird dogs off the topic, which is really something for us. We're going to get to our first question here. A scant 20 minutes into this recording. <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes, three plugs, and about a laugh and a half so far. There it's you going go. going well. All right. This came in to our email, probably. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you ways you can write a question. It says, how do I wholeheartedly give my life to Jesus? I went on a trip last weekend, and I decided I want to turn, let Jesus run my life, stop moving my own beat, and I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that and become a trip Christian. I want to give it my all at all times. How do I do that? Glenn, start us off. Yeah, I think one of the big problems we have here uh, is a, a number of us take an attitude into our uh, spiritual life that it's almost this binary thing. It's either all the way on or uh-huh. all the way off. I want to be totally committed, or if I'm not that, I'm totally uncommitted. Glenn, are you sold out? Are you sold out? Exactly. you got to be sold out to the extreme. Many will say, Lord, Lord, bro. Right, bro. Many will say it. Yeah, I want to be so extreme, I don't even put the E on the front. Ooh, that's true, extremeness. X. Extreme. Yeah. That's that 1997 extreme. Exactly. <laughs> like an X, then a dash, then dream. Exactly. Yeah. That's how extreme. You know, uh, the, the the reality is that uh, this is a process that we're working. Uh, God mm-hmm. works, has begun a good work in us, and he's going to continue to work that uh, process forward uh, as we go throughout our life. Uh, we want to see you uh, uh, fully committed to that process. I like the idea of, as you say, not being that trip Christian, not you know that person that gets wound up on the retreat and then you know comes back and uh, doesn't have uh, that same commitment. Uh, I I think it's great to have that attitude, but I think we do need to recognize this is a process. This t- is a step by step thing. It's about peeling away layers. It's about looking at uh, all the different things that uh, kind of clog up our relationship with the Lord. Uh, bad habits that we can get into, stuff of, around the way we were raised, uh, relationships have kind of gone wrong and how that's affected us. Getting in there and working those things through uh, and building a more and more intimate relationship with God. Um, and, and that's the thing about the relationship is is when we think of it in relationship terms, a lot of these this wording doesn't fit. You know, you know, I don't. I say I want to be committed to my wife and I want to be committed to my marriage and I want to grow. I want it to be healthy. I want it to, to be close and intimate. I want there to be trust. I want there to be communication, but you don't hear me saying, I want to be the most extremely married couple of all time, <laughs> you know, cause it doesn't, you but know. you have known people who've said that and how did that work out? <laughs> yeah. Not great, dude. Uh, so I, I think that part of it is, is getting a picture that that's healthy. I think though, what you're looking for is, uh, uh, because I, I think there is something cool here about just this idea of being fully committed. I, I like that idea. But what I want to do is kind of very slightly shift the trajectory on that and have you focus on authenticity. Yeah. To say that I want to be real in my relationship with God. That means I want to be real with him about where I'm at, what I'm struggling with, uh, you know, how what what sort of 
things I want to do that I know I shouldn't do, all those kinds of things, all my fears, all my worries. So that's it. It's has an extreme honesty and a, an extreme sort of realness there. And I want to be authentic with other people. I don't want to be uh, faking off when I'm in church. I don't want to be pretending to be, uh, you know, super Christian when I have real world problems. If I do those things, and 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 maybe not to whatever the extreme, but if I if I max that kind of stuff out, the authenticity, the honesty, then I I think I'm going to get to a place where I'm fully committed and that process is being worked through in me uh, in a more thorough way uh, rather than the this extreme all on or all not off. Because I think what that leads to this extreme mentality is uh, I can't be extreme, so yeah. what I'm going to do is act That's extreme yeah. and I'm fronting that off and then sooner or later I just get so much sin going in my life that I say, oh, I'm not pulling this off, and then it all comes crashing down. That's what we want to avoid. Absolutely, Jed. Well, I think um, if we can take a step back from a lot of the attitudes that you hear in church that we've been making fun of in the last three minutes, um, you know, about taking things to the extreme, taking things to the limit, um, and recognize that maybe we have— we have a character in our head that we call Jesus, um, but there's not a lot like the real dude. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me tell you what I mean. Um, I've known, I've been really blessed to know in my life, a, a number of really good teachers. People who could really teach you well how to do a particular thing, how to, you know, a task or a craft or, or, or some kind of something. And all of the good teachers I've known have a way of saying, there's one thing I want you to work on. Just mm. one thing. I want you to look at that. So, for example, if you wanted to learn to preach, you couldn't find a better teacher than Glenn. Um, and if um, if you went to Glenn and you said, teach me how to preach, he'd give you one thing to look at. Mm-hmm. He'd say, why don't you try that? We'll work on that one thing. Um, and in my life, all the good teachers that I've known, that's the way that they've worked. They've said, well, here's one thing. Let's take a look at that. And I bet uh, if you've seen uh, much in the way of kung fu movies, which if you haven't, you need to fix. Come on. That's important to it's, your walk. It's deeply important to your walk. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, the sensei in all the kung fu movies, he always has one thing he wants that pupil to do. Just mm-hmm. one thing he wants them to work on, and then we'll get to the next thing. And it turns out if you master that one thing, it really frees you up and opens up a space in your head, and it's a whole new thing. Thanks. Or creates a momentum to the next thing. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, walking with Jesus tends to work the same exact way, where um, uh, uh, um, there tends to be, in the spiritual life, one thing that the Lord wants you to look at, one thing he wants you to have some attention on, and we'll get to the rest of it when we get to it. There's a story in the Bible, and there's two sisters, Mary and Martha, um, and Jesus has shown up, and one of the sisters is running around trying to do a million things, uh, trying to attend to a million things. The other sister is just sitting there listening to Jesus. And the busy sister finally comes and complains and says, tell that good-for-nothing lazy bones to help me. And Jesus says something really interesting. He says, you are concerned about many things, but only one thing is needful. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the thing is, that's true in your life too. You're concerned about many things, but there's only one thing that's truly needful. What I'd encourage you to do, if you want to take it to the limit, if you want to do this Christian thing as hard as it can be done, I'd encourage you to sit down with a pastor or a mentor and try and find what's that one thing? 
What's that place to start? What's that linchpin that's holding me back from deeper authenticity with the Lord and with other people, as Glenn's pointing out, from deeper intimacy, um, from deeper trust? Mm -hmm. What's that one thing? If you can focus on that one thing, and I think you should be hardcore about that one thing. I think you should jump on that one thing with both feet, everything you've got, with the Lord's strength fueling that process. But if you'll do that, you will become um, a, a Christian who is strong in ways you've probably never seen. Um, in the church that you go to. Um, and you will have a walk with the Lord that you'll be really proud of and pleased with. That's a great point. Lee? Um, <clears throat> I, I, I've been working with uh, young people for a long time, so I've been on a lot of the trips that you're talking about, You know, whether it's a retreat or a, some kind of summer camp or something like that. And, and, and what you're talking about happens. People get fired up at a camp or on a trip, and uh, the same thing can happen in, in any kind of situation. You can get fired up after a conversation. You can get, it doesn't have to be a trip. It can be a great worship service or whatever. You can get fired up and then, and you have this feeling of like, I don't want to come down from this feeling. I, I don't want to just be the, the person that I was at this camp and then, or, or, you know, or in this conversation or in this worship service. And then I get back to my life and everything falls apart. Um, if I could... I'm going to take a a guess. I'm going to take a swing at something that when you say, I don't want to be a trip Christian, a part of what you're saying is I don't want to sin again in a lot of the areas that I've been sinning. Yeah. Um, Let me just go ahead and burst that bubble for you. You are going to sin again. Yeah. You're going to sin again. You're going to sin again in this, in some of the same areas, some of the same cycles of sin that you've been in before you're going to backslide. You're going to look, you're, you're going to disappoint yourself. You're going to be pissed at yourself. You're going to look at yourself in the mirror and be disgusted, all that stuff. You are going to sin again. Okay. That's going to happen. And, and, uh, the reason that I want to talk about that is that you need to know that that's number one, you need to know it's going to happen. Uh, you're, you, but that doesn't mean that your walk with the Lord isn't real. It doesn't mean that your walk with the Lord isn't good. It doesn't mean that your walk with the Lord is in jeopardy. Um, you, everything is fine. You are going to disappoint yourself, but this is very, very important. You need to hear me on this. You are not going to disappoint Jesus. He is not disappointed in you. Um, in order for you to disappoint somebody, they have to have an expectation that wasn't met. Jesus already knows everything. He already knows all the sin that you're going to commit for the rest of your life. He already knew all of it before he gave his life to save you. He knows stuff that you're going to do that you haven't even thought about doing yet. He is never, he never has an expectation that's not met. He doesn't have an expectation for you. He's not disappointed by you. He has only certainties. He knows exactly where your life is going. There's a place in Romans chapter 8 that says that uh, that he came to condemn sin. Sin is basically failure. You know, it's like I failed to do to live the right way. I failed to beat this temptation. I failed to follow God in this area or whatever. And it says that Jesus came to condemn sin. In other words, he condemned failure. When you accept Jesus, he forgives all your sin in such a way that he actually condemns it. You're not a failure anymore. You don't fail. Like he doesn't look at your life as a failure anymore. He's rescuing you out of all of that. You are going to sin again. And the thing that you need to hear is that's okay. There is grace for your sin. It abounds. And when you understand that, that you understand that's not what it means. Like it, 
in order for me to come home and not be a trip Christian, as you're saying, it the definition of that is not I'm never going to sin again, because that's not a reality. But knowing Jesus is at work, he knows what's going on with me, he has grace on me, he has forgiveness, and he's going to get me through this. I am going to grow. I am going to change. I am going to get better. He is going to He is going to work on stuff a little bit at a time. It's going to be slower than I want, but he is going to change me. But know that when you mess up, when you let yourself down, that doesn't mean all bets are off. Everything is fine. Everything's still on. Jesus loves you. The program is still going down. Everything is cool. And uh, yeah, so that's not what it means to be a, a trip Christian. Everything's still good. It's awesome stuff. All right, we're going to move on to our next question here. It came in to our email address. It says, I've been having a bit of a problem with my career choice. About halfway through college, I switched majors. There are many factors involved in that decision, like my family being much more supportive of the other career, greater job security, and an opportunity to work in a place where I felt I could really help people. I'd recently become a Christian and thought I would eventually get to be a missionary, and this major seemed the most practical way to accomplish that. A few months ago, I decided to start working as an assistant in this field in order to get some sort of experience. Here's where my problem starts. I think I hate my job, and I think I'm realizing that it is not something I want to be doing for the rest of my life. I really want to quit as soon as possible and go back to what I was studying before, but I'm afraid that there'd be less of an opportunity for me to serve God. I go back and forth between worrying that this is something God wants me to do and then telling myself there's no way he'd have me pick a career that would make me this miserable and then wondering if maybe he'll just change my attitude towards it as time goes on. Jed, can you start us off? I can, and uh, we're sorry. Uh, we're, we're sorry that you're dealing with what you're dealing with. Yeah. Um, there are very, very few things that... Um, are as painful as having a crappy job, and there's almost nothing that is as painful as having a crappy job with the expectation, probably, I'm going to be doing this for the next 40 years of my life. Um, and if that's what you're dealing with, and it sounds like it is, I'm really sorry. I, I, I know firsthand what that is like, um, and it's awful, and, and we're all really sorry, and we're praying for you, uh, and we love you, and we believe in you. <laughs> I'd like to offer something for you to, to think about, and the thing I'd like you to think about is to ask, what is the compass in your life as you try and navigate where God's leading you? Um, what's, what's the barometer? What lets you know when you're headed in the right direction? Um, for a lot of people, uh, it's whatever seems hardest is probably what God wants them to do. Uh, whatever feels most like the thing they don't want to do has to be what God's calling them to do. Um, there's a lot of people that make the underlying choices. assumption being God's kind of a jerk. Eh, that dude's pretty much looking to torture you. But you know the truth is, if you gave truth serum to most Christians, that's what most of them are on. Um, is whatever whatever I least want to do, um, that's that's what God wants me to do. Um, other people have you know what whatever will look the most impressive. Um, that's what God would want me to do. Um, you know, and certainly uh, plenty of people uh, uh, aren't even really concerned with what God would want them to do. It's whatever would impress their family the most. That's what's going to guide them. But I want to put something um, uh, into the consideration for you as you're thinking about what uh, your compass is, what your barometer is as you make decisions as a Christian, is just to begin to imagine, just to, to think through as an experiment in your brain, what would it look like if joy was the thing that set your compass and your barometer? What if um, just, uh, and not 
not happiness exactly, because happiness mm-hmm. is an emotion. It comes and goes. Right. And, and not not excitement exactly, because that too is an emotion, and it kind of comes and goes and wears off, but, but joy. Uh, just deep-seated, contented, satisfied joy. If that was how you knew when you were heading, roughly speaking, in the right direction, um, I think it's worth imagining and experimenting in your brain, what would your life look like if you let that be the thing that was guiding you? Um, It sounds like you would not be in the major and in the career path that you're in, but do you know what you would be in? Um, I think is worth asking. I think a lot of Christians are afraid of joy. Um, They're afraid of, because if they're, if they're having fun, there must be something wrong with it. Right. It, it can't be um, what God wants for them. But um, do you know what that would be? If you if you said, for the next year, I'm going to set my compass off of joy. Joy will be true north, and I'm going to follow where that leads. Do you know what that would look like? Do you know what that other thing would be? Uh, because I think if you can dig it, I think these other brothers are going to uh, break down a bit more of this for you. You're headed for a confrontation with your family. Um, that's yeah. where this is headed. Um, and if you're going to have to face a confrontation with your family when you don't know what the better thing is that you're choosing, that's really hard to do. That's really, really hard to do. But if you have a sense of here's this thing that brings me joy and I'm watching it honor God, I'm, I'm watching it point people to him. And basically, um, I would feel like I had died and gone to heaven if I could just do that thing for the rest mm-hmm. of my life. It's way easier to think about having a hard confrontation with people when you know what it is you're trying to press towards. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I would encourage you to, to look at is, what if your life was driven by joy? Um, and if you're not sure what that would look like, to begin experimenting. To start now, today, um, uh, finding out. Try some things. I knew people when I was a, a, a young teenager, I knew people who their thing was a clown ministry. They yeah, would yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. dress up as clowns, mm-hmm. do the, the full thing, the shoes, the squeaky nose, the mm-hmm. whole thing, and they go entertain uh, sick kids mm-hmm. and, and you know uh, and make them laugh, and they tell them a little bit about Jesus. And um, their names were Margie and Alan, and those two loved clowning for Jesus right. more than anything in life. Yeah. As long as they could be clowns for Jesus, everything made sense. Yeah. And I think you need to find what your clowning for Jesus thing is. Um. I think when you find it, a lot of these questions are going to begin to answer themselves. I think you're going to feel a lot more confidence with your decisions and with talking with your family. And I want to leave you with this verse. This goes all the way back to the book of Nehemiah. This is chapter 8, it's verse 10, and it says, The joy of the Lord will be your strength. Mm-hmm. That's Nehemiah 8.10. That was true for people then. That's God's desire for you today, is that the joy you find in serving him will give you strength. Absolutely. If somebody writes a Christian book called Finding Your Inner Clown, I will buy it. Absolutely. Just putting that out there. <laughs> Lee, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think I probably speak for all the guys on this podcast when I say that at a certain point in our kind of college experience and kind of training what, for what we thought life was going to be, if somebody had come to us and said, you know what, you could, and, and somebody had said, you know, describe the jobs that we're doing now and said, you could do that instead of this thing that you're training for. Mm. I mean, I, I know I would have felt like there's no possible way. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I would love for that to be my life. I can't, I can't imagine that. And yet I was on a training path to be a history teacher. Like we were talking about before, we, you know, three of us have got these history degrees. Jed has an engineering degree. And, you know, it's like, it, this is the thing that we were training for. 
And before that, I was training to be a graphic designer. And my whole life, I had been the guy that was the the best artist in school or whatever. And so it was like, well, all your gifts are pointing this way, so you have to do this thing. And it took a lot of courage for me to say, you know what? My whole life has been pointing towards this. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to do this other yeah. thing. And then uh, as the the deeper I got into the education thing, I realized I have to go ahead and finish this degree because I'm this far. I don't want to start over again. But as I got to the end of getting my degree, I realized, and I was spent time in the classroom, I realized I don't want to do this for the next 40 years. I would be miserable if I had to do this for the next 40 years. And then um, my boss uh, showed up and offered me the job that I have today two weeks before I graduated. I had no idea that that job was possible. I had no idea it was out there. It was just something that God had for me. And I guess the reason that I bring that up is to say, one of the things that you mentioned in the question is, I'm afraid if I go back and do this thing that I really want to be doing, I'm afraid that I won't have an opportunity to serve God there. God can use you in, in unbelievable ways, what, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. He uses people in the most unbelievable ways. And that are, do, you know, people that are doing jobs that you wouldn't be, like, it would be hard for you to think of some ministry in that area, but God has some ministry for them to do. He's extremely creative. He can use you in unbelievable ways. And, you know, I was thinking about this when I was reading this question. I was thinking about the Apostle Paul. And this is a guy who spent his entire life training to be Captain Bible, like the guy that knows the Old Testament more than anybody else. And then he gets... And he spent his whole life training and knowing the Bible so that he could basically hate Gentiles and talk about how Jews were the best. And then he gets saved, he meets Jesus, and then Jesus says, you're going to be my guy to go reach out to the non-Jewish people to, so that they can come to know me. I mean, he's the last person you would pick for that. He hated those people. He threw those people in prison. He killed those people. He's the last person you would pick to do that job, and yet he did it. And then you look at the thing he was trained for, which is like knowing the Old Testament and all that stuff, and he does some of that in his writings. But like the Apostle Peter quotes more Old Testament per you know, per writing than, than, uh, than the apostle Paul. I mean, he's not even the guy who majors on that in the new Testament. God can use you in unbelievable ways wherever you are. And it doesn't have to be the thing you trained for. It doesn't have to be the thing that your family wanted. It doesn't have to be any of that. Here's, here's a cool thing. And Jed kind of talked about this and you need to hear it again. And that is the, 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 like the path of your life when you're trying to figure that thing out, that needs to be a conversation between you and your God, period. You're the ones who get to, to, get to, ha- to hash that out. Your parents don't get a say in that. Your, your friends don't necessarily get a say in that. People who support your relationship with God, that you're seeking the Lord's face on what your life is about, those are people to listen to. But people who are telling you, this is what you have to be. That, that is a voice that you need to cut out of the conversation. This needs to be between you and the Lord. Figure out what, what do you want to do? Where is he leading you to do? What is the, the Holy Spirit inside your heart giving you a passion for, a burden for? Who do you feel for? Where does your compassion take you? Follow, follow the, little, the, the, the path markers like that and find out what the Lord has for you. Absolutely, Glenn. Yeah, I think uh, the first thing I would say here is that you're you can make this mistake, and God can still fix it. So that's the problem that I think that you're stuck on is I've got one shot to get this right. Yeah, it's the red wire or the blue wire. 
If I cut the wrong wire, it'll all blow up and explode, and we'll all die. You know, that's not that's not what we're looking at here. Uh, we when we look back in our past, we always say God's bigger than our mistakes, and and we're referring to the mistakes that we've made in the past that He can you know help us come back from those mistakes that we've made in the past. Well, the truth is God's bigger than the mistakes we will make in the future. That we can make wrong turns and what have you. And, okay, maybe we might waste some time and effort and energy and money and those kinds of things. And so it's worth praying about and figuring out how do we get it right. But you can make this decision in the totally wrong way, go down the wrong road, figure that out, and God will give you a way to deal with that. He'll use that. That's, you know. So this mentality is where I got to pile up all the pressure on this one thing um, doesn't fit that reality. But the other thing is when you put all that pressure into, I got to make this one decision, right? Uh, you end up focusing on that one decision as opposed to the, the next thousand small decisions that come later. Uh, I don't know how many times people said to me, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that where do you want me to go, Lord? And, and I felt like the Lord was sending me to wherever it is, you know, South America. And I said, oh, so what are you going to do when you get there? I have no idea. Yeah. But I'm going to South America, and I'm happy because I know it's where I'm supposed to go. I said, well, if you, if you don't know what you're supposed to do when you get there, I don't, I don't think you've actually... I think you may still be capable of screwing this up. Glenn, Glenn I'm going to show know? up and be white and Christian. What more do I need? Yeah, that's, that's gone wrong for some people, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. So... <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think um, uh, recognizing that God's bigger than you making that wrong uh, move uh, will take a lot of the pressure off, and the pressure's not helping. Uh, uh, like uh, Jed was suggesting, I think that there's a dangerous thing when you feel sort of drawn to the suffering part of this, where you, if you say, well, of all the options, the one that's the most painful, that's probably the one God wants. That actually is not a healthy mentality to have towards God. God uh, is interested in taking you through challenges. And for sure, when it comes to anything missions-related, which you mentioned, uh, a career in missions, uh, you're going to face challenges, no question about it. And, and God will bring you through things that you never imagined you could be any good at. Uh, you never imagined that that would fit in your life. So that that stuff will happen, and it'll be a big challenge and, 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 a, and a tough thing. But I it's pretty darn rare that the Lord would lead us through something where we are just miserable in a missions setting. We might say, oh, I, I, don't, I don't imagine I would be good at this. I don't imagine that this would, you know, I, I feel like I'm underqualified, those kind of things. We've all said that. But to say, I know God's calling me to this and it's all miserable, that's pretty darn, I don't know if I've ever heard of that uh, kind of thing in a missions, uh, you know, kind of setup. Uh, and finally, I would say, uh, uh, as, as these guys have hinted, if you're thinking about missions, I would start with the assumption family's not going to dig that. Because uh, uh, statistically, for those of us who are in missions, that's a pretty rare thing. Uh, by and large, uh, if uh, a lot of missions are physically dangerous. Most of them don't pay very well. So if you're in school and you have a chance of getting a job that makes good money and is safe... That's what everybody's going to vote for. If you've got this thing that pays nothing, involves uh, <laughs> danger, and you know, uh, you know, no one's going to, nobody's going to be too excited about that. 
And that's a common thing for a lot of people in missions. And as Lee said, we have to uh, make sure that we don't uh, try and go at this from the perspective of first, let me figure out how to make everyone happy and then try and fit God in there somewhere. Absolutely. We're going to move on to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, all my Christian guy friends talk about how they're going to marry their first girlfriend. No, they're not. You'll get your turn. Come on. Yep. I find that many of them go into relationships expecting to marry the girl, then both people get disillusioned and break up. Whatever. <laughs> it's interactive question night here on the podcast. <laughs> Why does this happen so often? I'm afraid of dating seriously in case this happens to me. Lee, can you start us off? <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of reasons that this happens. You know, one of the things is just stuff we've talked about ad nauseum in the Christian culture. Just crazy ideas about dating and Russell Crowe. That's why this happens. <laughs> he wrote a book when he was 19, didn't he? About this. Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, look, here's the here's the real thing that happens. I think is that relationships are very, very hard to make the, it's very hard to make one work, especially a serious one, make it work for a long term and stuff like that. And, uh, and people are afraid of getting it wrong. You know, they're afraid, they're afraid of screwing the thing up. They're afraid of not being, uh, the, they're afraid of not finding the person. And so the, the, the first person they date, they're like, I've got to make this work. This is the only person that's ever going to like me. The thing is, <clears throat> It's kind of a low-hanging fruit thing, which is like, this is the easiest possible way for me to see this happening. I'm just, the first relationship, this is, it's, it's got to be the one that's meant to be. And you get jacked up ideas from movies and everything else. I mean, there's so many places to, to point a, a finger of blame to. It's the Christian culture about dating. It's the way movies present love and romance. It's the way, it's the way we think it has to be. It's this fear that I'm never going to find anybody that loves me. It's this fear that I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. So I've just got to take whatever I can get and just force that thing to work. When the truth of the situation is dating, as we've said, ad nauseum is about learning. That's what dating is about. It's about learning what kind of, what kind of person do I you know, pair up well with what, what, you know, what do I need to figure out communication wise? What do I, what kind of dates do I like? What, what kind of person way doesn't work for me? What it's, it's a, it's a, a huge learning process. You say at the end of the question, I'm afraid of dating seriously in case this happens to me. It almost sounds like it's a, uh, that this, this attitude about how, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to marry the person, the first person I, I date, but then you're going to break up. It's almost like this attitude is a disease that you catch. It's like an outbreak mm. and I don't want to catch it. So I, I don't want to get this, uh, I don't want to get this bacteria or whatever, where I'm going to get my heart broken. A couple things on that. You cannot navigate your life on fear. We, Amen. If, if you're walking with God, you don't need to expect that you're under a curse and that bad things are bound to happen to you. You need to expect that God is going to do good things in your life, that he's for you. He's behind you. He's got good plans for you. He knows what he's doing with your life, and you can expect good and beautiful things to happen to you in, the, in, in God's time, in God's way, in God's plan. So you don't need to navigate your life by fear. And the other thing that you need to realize is, look, I don't need to... I don't need to worry about dating seriously out of the gate. I can just date somebody. We can go out. We can talk. I can learn what it's like to be around somebody else. I can learn what it's like to meet somebody, get to know them, have some laughs, maybe fall for them. And you need to know this, and it's not something to be afraid of. The 
when you date people, you will have some breakups. You will have, you will probably experience some rejection and it's going to hurt and it's going to make your stomach hurt. It's going to make your pride hurt. It's going to feel terrible. You might cry. It's going to be hard, but it's okay. It's okay. You're going to come back from this. You're going to bounce back. You're going to learn stuff. You're going to learn stuff about yourself. You're going to be okay. I think that people get wound up on ideas like this because they're afraid to get it wrong. They're afraid to get their heart broken. They're afraid that the ideas of romance and love and all that stuff that they've seen in the movies, that they're not going to pull it off. And you're not going to pull it off. It doesn't exist like that. Relationships are hard work. They take a lot of communication. They take a lot of learning. And it's okay to get it wrong. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to screw up and to lose a relationship. It's okay to have to start over from zero with a person that you really want to make it work with. In other words, don't be afraid. There are risks out there and you will get hurt, but this is the only way that a good one happens. Absolutely. Glenn. Amen. And I'm going to pick up where he left off. Here's the thing is, is when you start dating at whatever age or whatever circumstance when you when you begin the dating process entering the dating world you are in a state of what we call clueless you don't know anything when i started dating women when i was you know i was young and i didn't know anything i didn't know what i thought if you like made a muscle then women would really be excited about that you know or if i you know uh, you know, just lifted heavy objects and, you know, whatever, that they'd be impressed by me. I had no idea. Women, you know, they had no interest in any of the stuff I was trying. You know what I'm saying? This is, uh, uh, you know, I was stuck in this uh, state of cluelessness. You ask, you know, you know, people go into relationships expecting to marry the girl and then they get disillusioned to break up. The reason why is the cluelessness. Uh, they don't. They think this is the perfect person for them. They think this is going to be just the the perfect angelic, holy, wonderful, whatever. And then reality sets in. You find out, okay, we don't have things in common we thought we had in common. We're our personalities kind of clash with each other. You know, I'm a neat freak. She's a slob, or whatever. You know, uh, whatever those things are. Uh, everybody has their their little quirks and their differences, and you find that out. And if you're a neat freak and you're dating a slob, the next person you go out with, you'll find out whether they're a slob or not because now you're no longer clueless. And that's a good thing. Here's why I'm pointing that out. If I said to you the thing that would make it most likely for you to have a successful Christian marriage is to be knowledgeable about healthy Christian relationships, that would make sense, right? You'd hear that and say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But... What a lot of these young people are being taught today is the opposite. The less you know about dating, the less dating you do, the less you engage in relationships, the more you stay in this monastic state of never dating anyone, then have your first dating experience. It'll be super holy and super wonderful. You'll be super successful with it because you both of you won't know anything about dating. And, you know, you won't have any baggage and you won't have any experience or anything. And that'll make it perfect. Uh, Anyone who's had uh, uh, any experience with marriage will tell you uh, that the more knowledge you can get, the more understanding you can get, the more you work things out, uh, the better. And finally, I I say, I, I will say this. I think it's great to take dating relationships seriously, but I think that ought to sound a whole lot more like, 
I don't know where this thing will end up. I don't know how far this thing will go, but I am committed to this and I want to take this seriously and I want to give it my all. This idea that uh, a, a relationship means nothing unless it ends in marriage. This relationship is a failure on every level unless it uh, ends in marriage. Right. I don't actually like that idea. I, I, I think it's possible for two people to date one another, learn from that, grow from that, uh, part as friends and say, well, you know, we just didn't click. We didn't hit it off. We weren't compatible with each other. But we both love each other, wish each other well. We're both smarter and better for that experience. We'll both be better to our future partners. And even though it didn't work out, that doesn't mean it was a failure. It doesn't mean I was a failure, she was a failure, or the relationship was a failure. It was a stepping stone to something else in life and a learning and growing experience. I think that's great. And I think I ought to take that seriously without saying it has to be an end in marriage. I think that's... Uh, to me, uh, sort of that all-or-nothing mentality uh, sort of cheapens the whole experience. Totally, Jed. I'd like to look at something that relates to your question, but oddly enough relates to all three of the questions we looked at tonight. When you um, when you walk into a recording studio today, um, you'll see, and I'm sure you've seen this on MTV, your pictures, whatever, the, the big, huge mixer that has like a hundred knobs and, and sliders on it, and us in the industry call that a console. Mm. Um, but you, you've seen that before, I'm sure you've seen that, um, and then you probably see there's like a computer keyboard too. Here's what you don't know. They're not using that huge mixer for anything. Right. Yeah, there's usually a little MacBook sitting on top of it. Exactly right. <laughs> of the records that you listen to, um, that you have on your phone, that you enjoy right now, 99 out of 100 of them were made on a Mac laptop. Yeah. Is actually how they were made. Now, if you went to the studio, they'd have the great big huge mixer with all the knobs and sliders, right. but they're not using it. Mm-hmm. So we got to ask, why do they have it? It's they impressive, it. Jed. It's impressive. It's, it's impressive, and it's there's a particular thing about its impressiveness. It looks right. Yeah, it looks right. Everybody wants something. They want the things that they're doing in life to look right. Yeah. They, they want yeah. them to be right, yeah, but more importantly, they want them to look yeah. right. Well, see, that relates to all of our questions today, and it relates to dating, too, is we want to feel like not just that we're doing the right thing, but that the other people that are looking at it, it looks right to them. Now, here's the difficult truth. Most of the time in life, it can be right or it can look right, but it's very rarely both. And you're going to have to start choosing um, which you want it to be. I'll tell you why I say that. With relationships, if you're going to get into a serious relationship, if you're going to get married, it's going to have to be right. It's going to have to work for the two of you. You're going to have to be satisfied. Aspects of that will not make any sense to anyone else. And that's the way it should be. You're two unique human beings in your own unique relationship. You have to come up with uh, something that works for you. I'll give you an example of what I mean. We knew a couple that um, were having a lot of fights and a lot of problems related to money. Um, right. And they finally decided, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to have separate accounts. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to keep our it's, – it's causing nothing but anger and drama. We're doing great with everything else. But with money, um, it's causing nothing but anger and drama. We're just going to have separate accounts. Yeah. We'll both chip in on the rent, and we'll do it that way. Worked fantastic. Yeah. It was a great fit for them. It's not something other people should rush out yeah, and do. It'd be weird for most couples. be weird for most couples, but it worked great for them. But this is the thing. It was right, 
but it didn't look right. Right, yeah. Most people, they want it to look right first Mm -hmm. and then be right second. And here's what I have to tell you is you can't have both about nine times out of ten. Most of the time, you have to choose between looking right and being right. Christian culture right now says what looks right is you just have just the one. (laughs) And you, you see them, you're there at Bible study, and you've got exactly the right amount of stubble. Right. On your face. And you really tight t-shirt. Really tight t-shirt. You have Chris Tomlin playing on the radio. And you look over and you say, I see her and she's the one. <laughs> and you walk over and you say, I'd like to pursue you. <laughs> and she looks back at you and she says, let me pray about it. Let me, let me search my heart. I don't want to give pieces of my heart away. I want to <laughs> right. search my heart. Right. So for 40 days she goes to the desert Right. She eats nothing. She fasts and she prays. Right. She cries out, is he the one? Right. And then she comes back and you get married that very day. <laughs> you know that that's what Christian culture right now is telling you looks right. You know that is. Here's what I'm here to tell you. No part of that works. Right. No part of that is how you get into a healthy dating relationship. You could have healthy dating relationships. You can have a healthy engagement. You can have a healthy marriage. But the first step is letting go of the fact that it won't look right. And if you'll do that, you'll enjoy all kinds of freedom. You'll have fun in the dating process. You'll learn things. You'll become a better boyfriend and then a better fiance and a better husband. But I'd encourage you, beloved, as uh, uh, something you'll never regret, let go of what it looks like. Focus on what works and you will be happy. I think we're all disturbed by how accurate Jed's impression was because we all, Lee and I maybe, especially who work with youth, have heard recounting of the phrase I'd like to pursue you. Yeah. Uh, dude, that was a little too close to... <laughs> You're all welcome. And here's the thing. I, gentlemen, I, I know the heart behind it, and that's great. Don't you, don't say that. That's creepy. Yeah, that sounds like you're going to hunt them for sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That ain't right. The most elusive prey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't often do this. I'm stealing this from a, a podcast Lee does called Ancient New, but we're, I'm, I'm going to close on a quote because I think it sums up what Jeb was talking about real well. This is from Kierkegaard. It says, Our Lord satisfies the stomach before the eye, but the world does just the opposite. Yep. So you've been damned. Yeah. You got your Damn. Kierkegaard. You've got a lot of weird history I and some actual helpful advice. All right. So if you have a question for us, you can write that in and say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Remember, if you want to get in on the Lee Younger branded Bridgebox, that's brand new music from Lee every Woo. month and lots of goodies from Bridgebox. That's missionusa.com slash BBLY. And you want that. Trust us. Yeah, you're you going to want it. that. If for no other reason, then uh, you're going to want that just to get the record that you get free with it. Um, I was driving some guys back from the bridge to a residential program on Tuesday, and one of them made me shut up and turn up the, the Lee Younger record in the background. So that's getting that's it nice. done, folks. All right, so those addresses, that stuff. We appreciate you listening. So remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Remember, you owe me $100. <laughs>